CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Thursday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. Glad you've joined us. Looking forward to being with you for about the next hour as we get together answering questions about the Bible from the Bible, look at current events through a biblical perspective, and also what we hear in church. Is it even in the Bible at all? So if you've got a question you'd like to call us, that number to call again, 88. 88- 88-ASK-CSN, and we'd love to get to your question today and answer that for you. You know, oftentimes we share our faith, people ask us questions. When we come read the Bible, sometimes we come across something we don't completely understand. That's why we're here for you each and every weekday afternoon at this time, live radio. And so you can call in, be part of the program today. That number to call again, 88 88- 88-ASK-CSN is the number to call. Joining me today, special guest, featured CSN speaker, Morning Times here on CSN, Daryl Skinner from Calvary Chapel, Pearl Harbor, Honolulu, Hawaii. Aloha. Aloha, Mike, and aloha to all the listeners out there. Great to be with you on Teverman and Answer. Looking forward to another great program of great questions coming in from the folks wanting to grow in their faith, be blessed by the Lord Jesus. And, you know, Mike, there's nothing more exciting than hearing from people that want to learn the Word of God, want to be a disciple of the Lord, knowing that by doing that, that the Word of God will be a lamp unto their feet, a light unto their path. It's also the spiritual weapon against the enemy. As Jesus taught us, it is written, it is written, it is written as he fought against the devil. So, folks, it's it's we just love to hear from you. And, Mike, it's a joy to be on with you, and thank you for this opportunity. Always a blessing to be with you, too, Daryl, and a great opportunity to always uh, expand our faith. You know, it's impossible that as you study and as people ask questions that you don't learn as well. Because again, it forces us all. And, and one of the things I really love about everybody that calls and, and everything is it keeps all of us, especially as pastors, I think sensitive to the needs of people, what they're hearing, the culture we're in, all these different things. Uh, and so we want to really, um, just, uh, once again, say we love you. Thank you for, uh, making this possible, everybody. And uh, look forward to answering some questions today with you. Let's go to the phones. We have with us on the line Chuck in Oregon. Hi, welcome. Yes. Um, in First Thessalonians 4.15, it, it says um, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. And if we go down to verse 17, two verses later, it, it repeats that by saying, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. So I think this is saying, uh, speaking of the same group of people, those which are alive and remain. So my question is, why do we use the name rapture when verse 15 clearly speaks of it as the coming of the Lord? That's my question. I'll hang up and take your answer. Thank you. Well, Chuck, thank you so much for the call. We'll do our very best with that. Your thoughts? Well, we have to realize there's the coming of the Lord in the rapture of the church, and there's the coming, the second coming of Christ to establish his millennial kingdom, the 1,000-year reign of Christ on earth after the Great Tribulation period. 
So we're told in, in right here it says, and let me just read it for the listeners. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. What does he mean by precede? Well, all believers who've died are in heaven right now with the Lord. We see that with Stephen as he was martyr, the first martyr of the church, and Jesus stood up at the right hand of the fathers. The heavens were open. He was ready to receive him. Paul says to be absent from the body, be present with the Lord. He even talks about his own episode where he died and came back to life, and he says, I was caught up to the third heaven, to paradise. So we realize we're not going to precede those who've died in Christ. They've already gone there. And then he says this, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. In other words, they're, they're going to get their bodies that they that they have, that they will get the glorified bodies. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. The word caught up here is is harpazo in the Greek, and that means uh, we, the, and, and in the Latin is rapturos, and that means rapture, okay? So you could use the word rapture, you can use caught up, you can use harpazo, you can use snatched away is another good term that's been a uh, defining the term for the harpazo in the Greek. So he says, we shall be caught up together with them in the clouds, in the clouds, and it's not the second coming of Christ, we're caught up in the clouds, we're not on earth uh, caught up. He says, with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we will always be with the Lord, therefore comfort one another with these words. It's so comforting to know that we as the bride of Christ are not going to go through the tribulation period. Jesus said to the church of Philadelphia that keeps the word of God, will not deny his name. He says, I will keep you from the hour of trial that will come upon the whole world. And that is speaking of the seven years of tribulation. And that, of course, you read about that, Revelation 6 through 19. So it's important to realize we have the rapture of the church before the tribulation period, and then we're going to be in heaven with the Lord. We get our glorified bodies, and then comes the second return of Christ at the end of the seven years of tribulation, the battle of Armageddon and so forth. And then we will establish, Christ will establish the 1,000-year reign on planet Earth. Mike, I'll give it back to you. Yeah, I, I, I hope that answers it for you. And again, because we have to remember whenever we look at anything in the Bible, are we talking about the rapture of the church or are we talking about the second coming? No one knows when the rapture is. However, we do know when the second coming of Christ is. The Bible very clearly tells us it's three and a half years after the abomination which makes desolate, which is the temple that has been rebuilt in Jerusalem, Israel, where the Antichrist goes and puts himself, his name, or an image of himself in the temple and declares to the world that he is God. That's when Jesus said, don't even go back into your house to get your coat, run for the hills. And because the retaliation of the Antichrist against the Jewish nation, when they reject him from being Messiah, they are going to accept him as being a friend, but they're not going to accept him as being God. And when he declares that he's God, they know they've been lied to, their eyes are open. And now with the event of high-speed um, weaponry, um, rockets, all these things, Jesus said, don't even go back in your house to get your coat. Run, because it's going to be swift. The, of course, the Antichrist is not going to uh, suffer humiliation uh, by Israel rejecting him after he gave them the permission to build their temple. This is what I believe starts the tribulation period, is a treaty that is signed with Israel. And so much of Israel's livelihood prophecy was around the temple in the Old Testament. 
Now we find it appearing in Revelation chapter 11. John was told to go measure it. And so because of that, we have an actual time marker of the second coming of Jesus Christ. It is three and a half years after the abomination which makes desolate, or seven years from when the tribulation begins. Now, people have said, oh, well, there's always been wars. There's always been famines. There's always... Yes, that is true. And the Bible says Satan is the prince of the power of the air. And I believe he's the cause of what we see. But what we find in Revelation, and why I believe, as you mentioned, uh, Daryl, that we're protected from it, these things are not brought on in Revelation by the devil. The Bible says God does it. He deals with a God-rejecting world, and he deals with his nation Israel, that last, final, 70th week of Daniel that we find in Daniel chapter 9. So why it's important? Well, because again, no one knows the time of the rapture, but we do know the second coming of Christ. There's actually a couple time markers for it, and uh, again, Revelation being written so precisely that people during the tribulation, wondering if really God's real and realizing that if I confess Christ, it's going to cause me to have my head taken off. Um, I believe that is written not only to encourage every Christian during the tribulation that becomes a Christian during that time, but also to give them the strength that they need to know God's Word is true. And yes, being beheaded, yeah, that's for a second, but eternity is a long time. Hope that answers your question for you. Um, if you like, call back. We'll send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs. I think you'll enjoy. Let's go to Chris, Dallas, Texas. Hi, welcome. Okie dokie. All right. Well, thanks for taking my call. Basically, uh, well, my question is, so how do you explain so? Because it's, there's three of us, right? Spirit, soul, and then our body, our flesh and bone. You know, just God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three and one. So I'm three, but I'm one. But how do you explain the soul? Well, I, I think the the best way to say it is body, mind, and spirit. Um, we know God said when you eat of the tree, you'll die. Uh, they didn't fall down dead after they ate of the tree. But something in them did die, and that was the spirit. That's why Jesus said in John chapter 3, marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. Just as we had a natural birth, when the water broke, out comes the baby. Unless a man is born of the water and of the Spirit, he'll not enter into the kingdom of God. Just as there is a natural birth when the water breaks, and that's what he's talking about, very clearly Nicodemus says, well, what do I got to do? Get back inside my mom. Very clearly it's not speaking of baptism there. Because you would believe, then be baptized. But Jesus said, unless a man is born of the water and of the Spirit, you just as you have a natural birth, when the water breaks, you have a spiritual birth. Jesus said, that restores what was lost in the garden. Fellowship with God is once again restored. And as God would come and walk with men in the cool of the evening, so he will come and speak with us today. And I think it's so important because we need a daddy. Who's your daddy? Everybody asks that question. Who, who's your daddy? Hey, listen, our Father, which art in heaven. So good. So good to know that. Your thoughts? Yeah, if we look at the soul and the spirit, as Mike was just uh, aptly sharing with us, uh, you know, the, 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 the spiritual life, the Bible says we're dead in trespasses and sins, and now we've been made alive in Christ because we're born again of the Holy Spirit. But the soul is is the personality of who you are. 
It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, I, I can know you physically and see you physically, but I really know you according to your soul, who you are as an individual and your character. And, you know, as we get, as we become born again, we're to be made into the image of God, which was the original package back there in Genesis to be made into the image of God. Uh, and he, God made us that, but we rejected him. We dispel that image of God, and now the the Bible says in verse John that you're either a child of God or a child of the devil. Thus Jesus comes, dies on the cross, atones for our sins, and all who believe in him uh, will be born again and have everlasting life. And this is what happens is this, this transformation takes place as you're born again of the Holy Spirit, and now you're being made into the image of God again. Instead of the, the fleshly needs are first, uh, when you're a sinner, the fleshly needs, then the soul, then the spirit. Now when you become born again, now it's the spiritual needs are first, then the soul, then the flesh. And uh, we're lo- no longer under the dominion of the flesh, nor the dominion of the devil. We're no longer enslaved to sin. We've been set free by the power of God, by the power of Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're given instructions on how to live our lives now to be sanctified through the word of God. And what a great blessing. You know, what always blows my mind is this. God does all this for us throughout our whole life. And yet at the very end, he rewards us. We should be rewarding him. Amen. But he's so loving, so good, so merciful, so kind, so gracious to us, and just always doing things for us. He loves us so tremendously. He's going to reward us when it's all said and done. Mike, I'll give it back to you. Yeah, I, I hope that I hope that answers it for you. Uh, yes, and I have one qu- quick question. Uh, well, I mean, I, I'm still young, uh, mm-hmm. but, you know, I know eventually death is going to come, all right? So, I mean, hopefully in 50 years or what have you. But anyway, uh, it's totally up to God. Uh, but I guess my question is cremation. I'm just like, I'm very claustrophobic. I am like, oh, my goodness. And I just can't stand close spaces. And, and, and I start getting like totally angry and I start sweating and my heart's beating and I'm like, I need to get out of here, you know, or what have you. But, oh my goodness, I just hate to be in a coffin and the next, you know, six feet. And I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, I don't want to wake up and I'm like going berserk. You see what I'm well, saying? Well, a couple of things, Chris, you called on a good day because uh, both, <laughs> uh, both, <laughs> Both Daryl and myself, we've both been dead. So we can tell you, don't ever fear that. Uh, yeah. I, 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 I was dead longer than Daryl was, though. He was. I, I always thought that was so amazing. You tell that story. And then I died, and they brought me back. I was dead for a couple minutes. Um, but, uh, no, don't worry about being in a box. To be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord immediately. The cults say, well, you soul sleep. Yeah, they, you just put in the ground and your spirit just hangs around your body. That is absolutely false teaching. We remember Jarius's daughter in the book of Luke. We remember that she died. They, the Jarius came to Jesus, said, Jesus, uh, my daughter's grievously ill. And while he's talking, his servant came and said, don't trouble the master. Your daughter's died. And Jesus said, don't worry. Only believe she'll be made well. And they went to the house, and we remember that he put everybody outside except for a couple of disciples, and he said, daughter, arise. And the Bible says this, and it's so important, her spirit returned to her. It does not say her spirit woke up inside of her. It says her spirit returned to her. Same in the Old Testament. 
when Elijah healed a little boy. It says his spirit returned to him. We find Jesus, the rich man and Lazarus. They both died. We find them in now in Sheol, the rich man in Hades in torment. Abraham's bosom is where uh, uh, Lazarus went. None of this idea of soul sleep is found in the Bible. Now, in the book of Acts, they stoned Stephen. It says he fell asleep. Well, that's speaking of his physical body. Cemeteries are full of them. But when it comes to you, who you are, that departs from your shell, and you go be with the Lord. And we're going to get a brand new body one of these days. It's not going to break down, get old, get wrinkles, get aches and pains, all those kinds of problems. But until that day comes, we're still in this body. But when our body uh, separates from our spirit, the day we, we breathe our last, Hey, to be absent from the body, Paul says, is to be present with the Lord. And I believe, Chris, that is so important when we understand that soul sleep is not uh, not in the Bible. It is made up. And when we understand, uh, even David, King David said, uh, when his little son was so sick, <clears throat> finally he died, and they thought, oh, no, David's going to really be freaking out now because he moped around and wouldn't do anything. He comes down, and he's all dressed, and they said, we don't get it, David. How is it when your son was sick, you wouldn't do anything? You you were uh, in mourning, and now that your son has died, you're, you're, you've shaved, and you've cleaned yourself up, and what goes on? He says, I know this. I cannot, uh, he cannot come to me, but I will go to him. That isn't speaking of going to some grave and, oh, soul sleep. No, David was very much aware uh, that we will will be in the house of the Lord forever. The idea of soul sleep is false, completely false doctrine. And again, Luke chapter 8, you have other places in the Bible that very clearly speak, absent in the body, present with the Lord. The word in the Greek there is immediate, boom, boom, that fast. To be absent is to be present. And uh, Daryl? Yeah. yeah, just a cu- couple of quick items. Uh, number one is, uh, uh, Chris, take a good read there on Second Corinthians chapter five. It talks about Paul talks about this transformation to be immediately with the Lord and so forth. So Second Corinthians chapter five is your good chapter. Jesus talked about life after death in Luke sixteen with the rich man Lazarus. But I'll give you two two stories of of some folks that have shared with me. Uh, one is my father in law passed away, strong believer, loved Jesus. And the wife told me right before he took his last breath and, and he's going to enter heaven, he says, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. And then he was gone. I also have a story of a young girl. She died of leukemia. She's, I think, 11 or 12 years old. Uh, the, her her dad made and, her, and the mom made candy canes and talked about Jesus and the scriptures up in the, the San Bernardino Mountains. And when she died, as she died, as she was dying as a believer in Christ, she says, I'm in, I'm in, and then she passed. And so we know that uh, when we when we die in Jesus, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You'll be immediately uh, in His presence. That's right. We we see the scene in Acts chapter seven where uh, uh, where where Lazarus, uh, excuse me, Stephen is stoned to death as the first martyr of the church. The heavens open up and Jesus stands up the right hand of the Father to receive Him. 
So the very first person you're going to meet when any of us believers die, it's going to be our, our bridegroom, which is the Lord Jesus. He stands up to receive us in heaven. You're not going to go to Peter and go through, you know, some kind of questioning problem or something like that. Like they joke around, but you're going to be immediately meeting Jesus and he's going to embrace you and bring you right into uh, uh, the kingdom of God. And, you know, my father's house are many mansions. If we were not, so I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again, receive you unto myself. Amen. Let not your heart be troubled. Amen. Mike, Amen. I give it back to you. Hope that, hope that helps, Chris. Uh, yes, uh, most definitely. But uh, could I cremate myself? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, that's, is it okay? Hey, well, you, you know, want to make says, sure you're dead before you do that. <laughs> but, but, because it's really, you know, what, what's the old, what's the old saying? Uh, uh, light a, light a fire for a man. He'll be warm for today, for a day. Light that same man on fire. He'll be hot for the rest of his life. But anyway, um, <laughs> Sorry about the dirt road, but no, Chris, <laughs> seriously, um, uh, cremation does not stop a person from going to heaven. The only thing about cremation is that people, your loved ones, relatives, children deal with death oftentimes better with a real burial than they do with cremation and their ashes sprinkled over a mountaintop or something like that. Because they can bring closure. They see a birth date, they see a little line in their life, and then they see the death date. And that brings closure, what happened to grandma or what happened to grandpa or whatever. But to just be sprinkled, no headstone, no nothing, it's like they never existed. Well, that's not true because all of us make an impact on this earth, either for God and his kingdom or for the devil and his works, and everybody will be rewarded accordingly for what we've done. Chris, I hope that helps. Thank you, guys. God bless you. Stay in line. Send you out some books, DVDs. Uh, I think they'll really uh, bless you. And so stay in line. We'll get those out to you. Let's go to Dennis, Tacoma, Washington. Hi, welcome. Yes. Uh, I was curious, uh, after reading all the uh, uh, Genesis and everything else, uh, Cain and Abel, he, you know, he was killed. Where did Cain get his wife from? Well, remember he uh you got to remember that Adam and Eve had many other children. Uh and they had children. And I don't know if you've ever been to a family reunion. I went to one. There was about 50 people there. Uh and I didn't recognize half the people that were my second cousins, third cousins. I didn't even know who they were. And that was just over a period of like 30, 40, 50 years. Now, imagine the longevity of man being a thousand years old. It isn't that that Cain killed Abel and the next day he left his parents and the next day he got married to somebody. He may not have gotten married for 50, 60, 70 years and probably married a, a relative in some way back before the gene pool was polluted by uh, close breeding and things like that. People did that. That's the way it worked. But after after um, the flood, that was prohibited. Your thoughts? Yeah, Genesis five four gives us the answer. It says after Adam and Eve, they begot after they begot Seth. Uh, it says here the days of Adam were eight hundred years, and he had sons and daughters. So we see that Adam and Eve had more sons and daughters. Besides, the first was Cain, then Abel. Cain kills Abel, and so forth. There's many other children that were born uh, to them. And thus Cain uh, took 
one of one of his sisters there and, and is became his or wife relative, so or relative or really or rel- 20, yeah, you're 25 right. years or later could have been any relative yeah for that matter it could have been one born 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 from the others and then he took her take takes her as a wife so it's uh it's important to realize as we look to the beginning of humanity and all that takes place god's plan will unfold itself and it, like mike said amazingly people are living 800 900 years old uh, until the time of the flood, then the, the the existence of man is re- greatly reduced. But uh, uh, they guesstimate that by the time of the flood, they're saying there could have been anywhere between six to seven billion people on planet Earth because of the longevity of humanity and the amount of children that could be born during that time period. Uh, you know, we talk about a family having 10 kids. Wow. I mean, some of these could have had, you know, 50 kids or something like that because, you know, they live so long, 800 years. And the the human body itself was so much more uh, uh, in, in such a, a better state than we have today. So it's an amazing plus the environment and everything else. So Mike, I'll give it back to you. Yeah, and just imagine living to be eight hundred years. You could actually pay your house off and enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, things, exactly. Things that make you think that way, Dennis. I hope that helps. Thank you very much. Stay alive, you like. Send you out a couple of books, DVDs, and the movie Jesus. I think you'll enjoy that. Let's go to Jack Las Vegas. I welcome. Hey, Maranatha brothers. Maranatha. Right on. Right on. Hey, uh, I've met you a couple of times. Anyway, long story short, I'm in seminary now, and I re- I have a theological question for you guys. I know we're coming up on the break, so I'll make it quick. I really value your guys' opinion. I'm not looking for a definitive answer. I just want an opinion. So when Jesus, in his incarnate form, when he was on the earth, when he was, you know, the God-man, fully God, fully man, could Jesus have sin? I mean, could he, could he sin? We know that he didn't sin, but did he have the power or capability to sin? Well, that's a good question, and I believe that if he didn't have some type of capability, Satan wouldn't have tempted him right after he was baptized. He said, if you're really God's son, command this stone to be made bread. Well, Jesus was on a fast. He could have commanded the whole mountain to be bread if he wanted to. But that would have been deviating from what God's perfect plan, his father's plan for his life was, and that was to be the the, the uh, spotless lamb to take away the sins of the world. Daryl, your thoughts? Hebrews 4.15 answers that question. Paul writes, well, whoever wrote Hebrews, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. So there you go. There's best commentary in the Bible is the Bible itself, and there's the commentary on our Lord Jesus Christ. So I, I hope that answers it for you, Jack. It does. It does, guys. That's that, that's what I had, the conclusion I had, and I appreciate you, and I love you guys, and and I can't wait for the rapture. We all be together. Amen. Amen. Looking forward to that. Stay in line. We'll send you out <laughs> books, DVDs. Coming up on a break, everyone. We don't want you to go away. We come back, we'll have more to every minute answer right after this. You know, it's true. Difficult times have a way of focusing us. We have to think about what matters most when it comes to our spending, our health care. No doubt. This is why so many people are joining MediShare right now. MediShare is a trusted way to save up to 50% on your monthly health care costs. More than 400,000 people have already made the switch. It's pretty obvious why, too, especially now during this challenging season with health care costs and out-of-pocket expenses going up. 
MediShare can save you a lot of money. The typical family saves $500 a month. And MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing ministry that's worked beautifully for 29 years. There are different options to choose from to fit your budget. I'll give you the number here in a second. And if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Maybe now is the perfect time to make the switch and start saving. Here you go. Call 855-91-BIBLE. That's 855-91-BIBLE. 855-91-BIBLE. Does the Bible seem too big, complicated, and overwhelming? There's a free Bible resource that's been around for more than 25 years and is used and trusted by millions worldwide. The Enduring Word Bible Commentary by David Guzik is a clear and simple way for everyday Christians and even seasoned Bible teachers to study God's Word. David's commentary not only breaks down the entire Bible chapter by chapter and verse by verse, it also provides helpful quotes from well-known Bible expositors throughout history. The commentary has also been translated into many languages, including Spanish, Arabic, Chinese, and more. Find the Enduring Word Bible Commentary as well as a free downloadable ebook called The King's Kingdom, a deeper look at the Sermon on the Mount by David Guzik at EnduringWord.com forward slash CSN. That's EnduringWord.com forward slash CSN. Welcome you back to part two of Tell Me Man Answer on this Thursday afternoon with Daryl Skinner. I'm your host, Mike Kessler, and we're going to go right back to the phones. We have Royce on the line in Utah. Hi, welcome. Hello. Hi, how may we help? Yes, um, my question was, um, I have had a wedding ceremony, and I'm not sure if it's legitimate because I was never prompted, I guess, by the uh, the person conducting it, who was a pastor at a church, with uh, any kind of uh, wedding documentation or certificate or any of that. And so I just kind of, I guess I needed more prayer than anything on that. And uh, just to, yeah, I was assured that, you know, everything was fine and I could just, you know, me and my fiance could treat each other as though we were married. So being fruitful and all that and this is going on about a year now and this pastor is also from England London England he's uh I'm not sure what his credentials are he wasn't really providing anything like that but uh he didn't show me anyhow um, but he uh, I think has credentials to be a pastor at least and so he's he's told us that we're fine and so me and my uh fiance are living under that idea that we're married of course she's in England and I'm out here in America but you know when I fly out there every uh, so often every year for as long as I can stay basically that's kind of the situation I'm in when I'm out there well you know the Bible says to obey the laws of the land and at least in America in order to be married you have to have a marriage certificate and the officiant that uh, presides over that with witnesses. That's what makes you married. Um, 
common law marriages and all these different kinds of things that um, were so popular, you might say, in the hippie movement and thereafter, um, really um, didn't amount to a whole lot because when it finally came to somebody, as an example, wanting to get a divorce uh, from their found out that they were really never married in the first place. Yeah, they were living together, but they really weren't. So legally, they weren't really uh, married. Now, again, going by obeying the laws of the land, if we're not uh, fulfilling the requirements of what uh, the laws say in order to be married are, well, you know, just me and my boyfriend, we got in our bedroom and we just recited some vows. And so now we're married. That really isn't being married. Um, there is a way you do that. There's a way that the IRS recognizes you being married. Uh, your thoughts, Daryl? Well, you know what? If you love her tremendously and she loves you tremendously, I'd Make sure that everything is completely lined up and in order. Uh, and whatever, uh, if you got married in England, you need to make sure you find out exactly what are the, uh, uh, the legalities thereof and uh, get the proper paperwork all taken care of and, and so forth. So, uh, I, uh, I think it's kind of actually a personal responsibility that you have as, as the husband to make sure everything is well taken care of. And uh, you can just eliminate this from your own mind uh, because uh, obviously it's something that's kind of uh, you're dealing with. And I would just, you know, as they say, put all the ducks in order and make sure that everything's lined up properly. And uh, as you guys are married, you love each other. And some way, somehow you can uh, stop this long distance relationship of being in two different countries and get yourselves together the way God designed it. And so I, I, that's my personal opinion is just making sure that, uh, you just get all the proper paperwork. Call, call whoever you got to call in England and find out exactly what's the paperwork that you should have. We here in America, we have marriage certificates that people have to have as they get married and everything's filled out and signed off. And so it is for us pastors. We have to sign off also. So I make sure that you have all that. And then you can just eliminate this, uh, whatever's going on in your own heart in regards to this and uh, do the right thing. Hopefully that helps. Mike? Hope that helps. Yeah, that does help. Um, I kind of needed some prayer on it too, but um, I did want to have another question if you have time for it. Sure. What? How can we help? Uh, well, it's regards, um, I've always, well, I don't want to say always, but I, I'm pretty much under the belief in the mid-trib, rapture i believe in the rapture and i believe it's but i don't believe it's anything that's uh pre or it's uh or uh, it's a secret of in any way and i you know i kind of i follow the verses you know the first thessalonians chapter four and matthew 24 but i have a hard time distinguishing how any of that proves uh, that there's it's a pre-trib rather than a mid-trib another reason why is I also believe that for the first three years of the tribulation, um, it will be fairly, you know, not like uh, hell on earth, so to speak, with uh, any of the plagues or the vials or judgments being loosed out on the earth. So if I could just get some clarification on that. Well, real quick, uh, when the tribulation begins, the guy goes out on a white horse conquering into conquer. 
This is Revelation chapter 6. Then those that don't capitulate to a one-world order, then he goes to war with them, the fiery red horse. Then, of course, we have the the death and the famine that come, uh, the famine and the death that come. And right off the line, in the first part of the tribulation period, one quarter of the world's population dies. So don't in any way think the tribulation period, the first half, is fun and games and good. It is very, very bad, very terrible, and one th- one one quarter of the world's population uh, dies. Now you got to figure that's two billion people. Everybody's appalled over the fifty some thousand people that have died in Turkey and Syria in this earthquake. But imagine two billion people dying. Well, then by the end of the tribulation period, another somewhat maybe three, four, five years later. One third of the entire world's population is dead. So this is not the dawning of the age of Aquarius. This is not going to be a good time, any part of the tribulation period. And again, what God wrote, um, that he would keep uh, the church from these things, I think is so important and not some things, all things, your thoughts. Well, the other thing is we look at the, uh, that seven year tribulation is known as the 70th week of Daniel. Uh, we know that 69 of those weeks, which are 69 seven-year periods, that were fulfilled in the first coming of Jesus Christ. And God speaks to, to Daniel. Uh, it says, 70 weeks are determined for your people. That's the Jewish people. And for your holy city, that is Jerusalem. So that 70th week is going to be focused in on the Jewish people and Jerusalem. Once again, Paul writes about it in Romans chapters 9, 10, and 11, talking about the remnant of the Jews that are going to be saved. And also when you look at it and you study the book of Revelation, we have the rapture of the church. You have the the title deed to the earth, uh, Revelation 5, where Jesus takes the title deed to the earth, and the seven seals are now being broken off, which then gets us to chapter 6, as Mike just shared about. These seals are, are being taken off. Judgments are coming upon planet earth. And then then starts the trumpet judgments, and you're still not to the midway point of the tribulation period. And then finally in Revelation 8, 9, 11, then you're going to reach that midway point, and the temple's been rebuilt. The abomination of desolation takes place. The institution of the Mark of the Beast takes place. Then comes the bold judgments, the final judgments of God in the last three and a half years. And they will, the, 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 the Jewish people will know exactly the second coming of the time of the second coming of Christ because as Mike shared earlier in our program, it'll be exactly three and a half years, or as, as the Bible says, 42 months. It also says 1260 days from the abomination of desolation. Now, the rapture says, no man knows the day or the hour. And that is before the tribulation period starts. God, the Bible says in First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, he's not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. In Second Thessalonians chapter 2, it says that the lawless one cannot be revealed until we are removed. We are taken out of the way by the, the Holy Spirit is taken out of the way through us being in the world as we've been raptured up. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, I show you a mystery. We shall, we shall be transformed. This mortal must put on immortality. This, in, this corruption must put on incorruption. We're going to go through a metamorphosis in an atom of time. And it's all going to take place before that seven years of tribulation. Going back to Daniel, it is decreed or determined upon your people, Daniel, the Jewish people, and upon the holy city. There's only one holy city. It's called Jerusalem. So this is, this is where we understand the tribulation, uh, and, and Jesus said it, again, the, the Church of Philadelphia, 
You, I'll keep you from the hour of trial that will come upon the whole world. Upon it actually says upon the earth dwellers. We're no longer earth dwellers. We are. We are. We are. Uh, we are in the kingdom of God, and He's going to take us up as the bride of Christ before that tribulation period starts. And uh, and then you'll see tribulation says people will be saved, and the tribulation is Jews and Gentiles, and many will be martyred for their faith. It says they they hold on to the blood of the testimony of the, the blood of the Lamb and the testimony of the Word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Mike, I'll give it back to you. Yeah, hope that helps. Uh, yes, it does. Um, I still I'm, I've been watching a lot of these programs on Good Fight Ministries with Jim Schimmel or something. So I, I kind of I, it's kind of, it's helping you know getting these Bible verses and stuff correct. But I also have a friend that I need prayer for, not just for myself, but she's a Seventh-day Adventist, and she keeps on telling me that um, those Bible verses that I was trying to show her, the difference between the um, the pre-trib or mid-trib uh, or um, the second coming, I kept on trying to tell her the Bible verses, and she says that doesn't prove anything. She says that pr- that could be interpreted as it's all the second coming. She says in in this uh, Good Fight Ministries, they keep on saying, "Well, um, that the uh, that the church isn't that Revelation doesn't say anything about the church being removed." So, I guess I just need a little more. Yeah, they, their theology is all wonky. Uh, they follow a, their their prophetess Ellen G. Uh, um, uh, Ellen G. White. And um, you you can't even begin to read Revelation. I mean, she says that worshiping on Sunday is the mark of the beast. Now, that's about the most ridiculous thing, completely unfounded in Scripture, because it says a mark on your hand or on your forehead. Well, that's what you think, and that's what you do. Well, how is that any different than today, 500 years ago, 2,000 years ago? The problem with man, it's always been what he thought. And what he's done. No, Revelation 13 talks about a tattoo type mark on your hand or on your forehead, a mark, name, or a number. It is not Sunday worship. And that is just a false prophecy by, uh, by their, their prophetess. And so you got to be aware that all of their stuff and who's to say what that is? Well, just shows their lack of understanding of, of the, of the entire tracking of God's word. See, the, the, the rest of the Bible does the commentary on Revelation. And, and so all of a sudden now, uh, uh, the mark of the beast is Sunday worship, all kinds of just crazy pull it out of the air stuff. Well, that's where you're going to get really goofed up. The Bible clearly warns people about doing that very thing, adding or taking away in Revelation chapter 22, that their, their name is, they're, they're going to be added to the plagues in the book. Listen, when you tell somebody, that a real tattoo that that the Bible explicitly explains in detail, Revelation chapter thirteen, is simply the day you worship on. Boy, talk about wrangling and twisting Scripture. There's just no excuse for it. Period. Then Paul says in Galatians, "Don't let anybody judge you on new moons and Sabbaths and all these kinds of things." Jesus was the fulfillment. Jesus said in John chapter twelve, He said, "I." completed, or I fulfilled the righteous requirements of my Father, the law. Now you keep my commandment, Jesus said, love one another. People say, well, when you say things like that, that's not loving. Well, 
wait a minute, Jesus chased the money changers out of the temple with a whip. That wasn't loving, or was it? Because after he did that, he taught the people in the temple. So we have to understand, Royce, that there is a, a, a these things that come along. Um, worshiping on Saturday—and by the way, they don't keep the Sabbath. This is the biggest bunch of baloney ever perpetrated by religion, is that they keep the Sabbath and the Jehovah's Witnesses. Now, you say, well, why are you saying that? They get in a building on a Saturday, but that's not keeping the Sabbath, friends. If you go back to Levitical law and see what's required for keeping the Sabbath, it's not just getting in a box on a Saturday. There's a whole lot more to it. Your thoughts, Daryl? Yeah, I think it's uh, vitally important. You know, what I would recommend, Royce, is, is to... Um, I'm going to kind of promote myself here for a moment. I'm, I'm teaching the book of Revelation right now on Sunday mornings. I'm in Revelation. I'll be in Revelation 16. But all my studies are archived. And if you want to learn the book of Revelation, I would suggest you go there and just begin to listen. I go chapter by chapter. I actually broke down the seven churches of the book of Revelation. Each is an individual study. And then, uh, and then uh, we just go chapter by chapter through the book. We understand where everything fits into this tribulation period and why the church is not there. Uh, and it's, it's up, up, and, and I give nothing but scriptural references constantly. And so, uh, that, that's a recommendation I would make, uh, because as, as you grow and learn, you're not going to be deceived by someone of, as Mike just shared, of the seventh day Adventist cult that teaches these things that are false. And, uh, and tries to say that we're the harlot church of the book of Revelation because we go to church on Sunday. The early church went to church on Sunday because they celebrated the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. You find several references there in the book of Acts. And so this is what we see. So we carried it on, but we actually worship the Lord 365 days a year. And that's the beauty of our worship nowadays. And we're not judged on what day we worship. We worship him because we love him and he loves us. Amen. Mike? Yeah. And it doesn't. And if you worship on Saturday, great. That's not yeah, a problem. No big. But if you're saying that that's the mark of the beast by worshiping on Sunday, it just simply shows your spiritual ignorance and, and lack of really exegeting scripture properly. And so this is some of the problems, but it isn't just those couple of topics that you brought up, Royce. There's many problems. And if you err in one, you err in many. And and again, we don't go to heaven because we worship on Saturday or eat pork or don't eat pork. We go to heaven because Jesus died on the cross. His blood covered our sins. We are found in him, and there is no good thing that dwells in the flesh. In other words, there's nothing I do myself, worshiping on Saturday, not eating pork. There's nothing I can do to generate righteousness. My righteousness all of our righteousness comes from Christ and Him crucified. Not anything that we would do. The Bible says no good thing dwells in the flesh. And yet we think because I don't eat pork or I keep the law, oh, this makes me something. No, it doesn't make you anything. You see, the law was meant to show us how desperately we needed a Savior. It showed us that we could never do it ourselves. That's why Jesus came and He was the fulfillment of the law. 
Now we put on his righteousness. Like you put a coat on in the wintertime. You wrap it around you. You wrap God's righteousness around you. That's what makes you holy. Not the day you worship on, not what you eat, but rather the righteousness of Christ, what he did for us. So much different. And again, thereby we cry, Abba, Father. You know, again, God wants us to have that father-child relationship. That's what was lost in the garden. And I don't get that by keeping rules and regulations. If you have children, well, my children, have you kept all the rules and regulations? Then, and only then, are you worthy of my love. No. I found that if you're a real parent, you love your kids when they mess up, when they do it right. You just love them. And that's why Jesus said, when you pray, pray in this manner, our Father which art in heaven. Not some God that must be appeased by my worshiping on Saturday or not eating pork or some other rules and regulations trying to approach this unknowable God beyond the universe, but rather I just go, Daddy. Oh, man, religion always junks it up. Always. Royce, I hope that helps. Yeah, it does. Um, can you? Did you have any more information? Because the, the Seventh-day Adventist... Um, friend of mine that that wasn't good fight ministries um do you know if are they also in the seventh-day Ministry cult daryl what, what was that question i'm sorry that was what, um, what again, i'm just wondering if that good fight ministries with jimmy schimmel and off they're into uh if they're seventh-day adventists i'm not i'm not familiar with him uh Me either. Look, we would try to look it up but uh, jimmy schimmel is it he, he does that thing, uh, they sold their soul for rock and roll and all that. Oh. That's a, that was an old video, right? Yeah, he he was a, he's a pastor, I guess, of some place called, uh, I can't remember, it's in California, but Simi Valley. i just been watching them on YouTube, and so it was my friend that's the Seventh-day Adventist that she she insists that those scriptures could be actually just talking about the... Uh, second coming, but I think well, you I would, pretty, answered it pretty well. Go to CalvaryChapelProHarbor.com, go to my sermons uh, sermon section, and just go to the book of Revelation, and you'll just you'll just be learning exactly what the Bible teaches in sound doctrine, and I know it'll bless you, and, and it'll help uh, answer a lot of the, the confusion that she's spreading uh, from a Seventh-day Adventist uh, uh, cult uh, aspect, and that's... Uh, you know, we, obviously we don't have time to keep going and going, but uh, it's uh, it's it's it'll be an opportunity for you to read and to learn. Another great book that, well, if you want to learn about the rapture, John Walford wrote a book called The Rapture Question, and he goes through the whole different uh, uh, analysis of each each uh, pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib rapture, and so forth. And he concludes that the the one that's the safest, most curious to preach and teach is a pre-tribulation rapture because that's what the Bible teaches. So. But anyway, hopefully that'll help you out, Royce. Royce, Father, may you just give give uh, Royce wisdom in mm. dealing with this marriage situation, Lord. Help him. Put around him good Bible teachers, Daryl and the others for here on CSN. Help him grow in the Lord. Protect his heart and give him paths. We lift up this woman to you, Lord, as mm. well, that she will come to the full knowledge that it's by grace we are saved. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you. Amen. Amen. Roy, stay on the line. We'll send you out some books, DVDs. I think you'll really enjoy. Again, Daryl's a very good Bible teacher. Check him out. I think you'll enjoy that. Stay on the line. We'll get you fixed up. Let's go to Deanna, Reno, Nevada. Hi, welcome. 
Hi. A quick question. I'm an HR manager for a very large organization, retail organization, and they're really pushing on us to be diverse and inclusive with everyone to the point where we should be celebrating all the other holidays like Ramadan, Transgender Day. How do I support my associates and love on them while not being an idolater and and betraying my God? Okay, Daryl, your thoughts. I didn't even know there was a transgender day. <laughs> well, I suppose they've got every kind of yeah. They've got every day there is. Yeah. You know, I don't think we have to celebrate if they want to give you the day off. That's up to them. Uh, but uh, we we won't like Ramadan. We're not going to celebrate Ramadan or Transgender Day. But if they want to say you get a day off, you get a day off. The you know, so many times the world is the world. As long as they're not asking you to proclaim that which is false. And to deny your faith. That's the most important thing. Uh, and, and you gotta live in truth. But, you know, you think about the times of, uh, of Rome with the, the apostles, the tremendous, there's 70, 60 million slaves at that time. Uh, one thing the Christians stood upon, they would not say, hail, hail Caesar's, or, or rather, Caesar is Lord. And it cost them their lives. Uh, and it, but yet they, they weren't called to be a, a big political movement to stop the slavery and so forth. They were in Rome and they, they had to figure out how to live in, in the way of Rome. We're in Babylon right now across the world. The Bible calls it mystery Babylon. And it's, it's, it's the days of Noah. It's the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. This is what Jesus said it'd be like in the last days. We see it all around us. And so what do we do? Well, we're soul winners. We're going to keep reaching people for Christ. We're going to work hard, provide for our families. We're not going to partake of false ideas or false doctrines and so forth. In other words, celebrate, but uh, the corporation is corporate. Now, if you feel so strongly about it that it's hindering your faith, then thank goodness we have the opportunity to leave that company, go to another company, and work for them. And that's one thing you have to pray about. That's what I would I would do if I was you, Deanna. Mike? Yeah, you just, you know, um, we, we want to, um, you know, reach out to people, but at the same time, we just can't, can't compromise. And I think that's good advice, uh, Daryl, what you gave. So I hope that helps, Deanna. That does. Well, they're asking me to actually set up the party and make sure everything is arranged for it and help host it. Should I tell them that? I really don't feel comfortable doing it. But Daryl, you your thoughts again. Yeah, I would I would tell them that because it's how you truly feel. And say, you know, I, I'm a Christian. I don't celebrate these other things. So you might probably want to find someone who's familiar with it. They can do it. Yeah, I, I yep. think so. Just say, I, I'm afraid I wouldn't do a good job because my heart's not in it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, and then and then be, pray about another job possibly, you know, see what the Lord. But you know what? The Lord always has something better for us all the time. So we just trust in him. Deanna, I hope that answers it for you, dear. Yes, thank you very much. God bless Stay you. Stay online. I'll send you out some books, DVDs. Perhaps you can spread those around there in the office. <laughs> something something for them. I think they'll enjoy that. <laughs> and uh, so uh, we would normally go to Aaron, Edith, Nancy, and Joseph, but we are out of time. And so Aaron, Edith, Nancy, and Joseph, if you will call us back, I will put you on first thing tomorrow. No waiting, I promise. And uh, we'll get to your questions first. Thank you, Daryl, for being on today. Thank you. 
always a God blessing bless. to be with you and look forward to, again, check out uh, Daryl's website there at, uh, at Calvary Chapel, Pearl Harbor. I think you'll like his teaching. Until then, keep looking up. Our redemption draws not. To find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 